many of you know what Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says? Approximately what it says. Do you know what that verse is? I'm going to read it to you right now. This is it. That's right. This is it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, the prior verses that are powerful as well, this is about the Holy Spirit dealing with us in prayer and speaking and praying through us. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then he goes on to say, because of this great spiritual prayer, this experience of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit praying, that causes us to know that all things work together for good to them who love God. Now, I have read this to you from the King James Version. And ordinarily, I would have read it from the English Standard Version. But I had it set to that place because I wanted to read the verses from Malachi in the opening of the service from the King James. So now I have moved it to the, uh, I have moved it to the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version. And this is what it says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Father, I pray that you will anoint the delivery of the message of this message with your power today. Touch us, O oh God, with the Holy Spirit about whom we speak and whom we teach and whom we love. Touch us with that Holy Spirit, with anointing in your power in Jesus' name. And we know, and we know, that's the beginning of the verse, and we know, even though I am unprepared, I'm going to say more than that. <laughs> and we know. So there are some things that we know, some things you think, some things you surmise, some things you suppose. There are some things you know. I know because I've been living with it for the last almost 60 years. I am married to Carolyn, Mary Carolyn Richardson Register. I know I'm married to her. It cannot be otherwise. I know I'm married to her. I know that William P. Register, Jr. is my son. There's no doubt in my mind whatsoever. I've staked my entirety of my life on that fact. He's my son. I also know if I get in my car and drive north on I-95, I will come to Georgia. I'll come to Georgia before I get to South Carolina. Before I get to North Carolina, I'll come to Georgia. I know that. I've done it so many times, I know it. It's not a question. I don't wonder about it. When I get in my car and start up for taking a trip to North Carolina, I don't wonder if I'm going to come to Georgia first because I know it. I know it because I've done it so many times. I know it because it's on the map. I know it because everybody else knows it. There are some things that we know. And 
there's some things that we just think may be true. The sad part is most of the time we talk about the things that we think instead of the things we know. But there are some things that we think and we may be right. We may be correct. Some things we surmise and suppose and we could be right in those. But there's always a doubt in that. But the things we know about those things, there is no doubt, they are certainties. And the Apostle Paul didn't say we hope and we believe and we think that things are going to work out all right. He said, and we know. We know this, that all things work together for good to them that love God. Let me read it again, make sure I said it right. That's right. That's what it says. It's still there. And we know that those who love God, for those people, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I'm going to have to ask you to use a little bit of your own ingenuity today, but I'm going to give you some references that help you understand this. Things work together for good for those who love God. Now, there's a question about who loves God. I can't be quite as certain as I was about some things we know. There's, I don't know that every person in this congregation sitting here loves God. I suppose you do. I think you do. I hope you do. I'm going to believe you do, but I don't know it. I do know that God told us how to know who are the people that love him. I know that he made that very clear. I can't give you the exact chapter and verse because I'm standing up here, as you know, just talking to you from what's on my heart, but I can tell you where you can find it. If you go to John chapter 14, you will find Jesus himself saying, this is what he said, those who love me keep my commandments. Those who keep my commandments, he it is that loves me. So if you love God, you're a keeper of the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about ten commandments now. You'll keep those too, but that's a different word. That's a different story. I'm talking about what Jesus said. Jesus said, the way to know those who love him is those people keep his word. Those people live by his word. I know you had a first cousin who died, and you want to think that person loved God because he, many times he said something about the Lord, and you think he loved God. I can't tell you he did. But you know if that person kept the words of Jesus, and if he didn't, he doesn't love Jesus. Now, I'm sorry, I didn't come in here and make this up just because I had to make something up to say. You look in John chapter 14, you'll find exactly what I'm telling you. Down in the latter part of the, that starts off with, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus said, he go, he, Jesus continues to talk to the disciples in the upper room. He goes on down, and then he says, we know those who love God, because those are the people who keep his word. You say, well, Pastor, I slipped up. I missed something. I, I was trying to do that. I'm not talking about making mistakes. We're talking about consistently, not never slipping, not never falling, not never making a mistake. We're talking about it's in the heart and desire, and consistently, these people who love God keep the words that Jesus spoke. That's just it. There's no other explanation. You can't say, how do I, how can we know, how do I know if I love God? It's not a, it's not a feeling. Love's not a feeling anyway, you know. Love, there can be a type of love that can be a feeling, I guess. But true love isn't a feeling. 
the love that most people talk about when they talk about love and they sing the songs about love and they send out the hearts and the arrows in the hearts and all that thing, they're not talking about love the last 50 years or 60 years. They're talking about what they feel today. But love is more a deed than it is a word. It's more an act than it is a feeling. So loving God is more than just saying that you're doing coming to church once in a while and making sure that you don't get forgotten by the people in church. Yeah, I love that. That's not loving God. Loving God is living by the Word of God. Now, there are many other scriptures I could give you. Now, we're plan, preaching a planned message this morning. I have all kinds of scriptures to tell you because I know it's all over the Word, all over the Bible. It's so clear and so clean. You, it's, you can't really miss it. I've heard people, I've heard people say, did I say I feared people? <laughs> I've heard people say, oh, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, he, yeah, he, had, a, he had a little problem. He couldn't, he had a lot of addictions, couldn't get his life straight. But, but, he, but really, in his heart, he really did love God. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Now, I'm not talking about whether he got saved or not. I'm not talking, I'm just talking about one simple, one simple concept here, how to know if you love God. And it's not really difficult to comprehend. It's not hard to receive. If you receive the word of Jesus that he spoke and you live by that word, and by his example, by his example, he showed the way we ought to live. Jesus forgave. That's just one thing. He forgave. He certainly showed his authority when he ran the money changers out of the temple. But he didn't condemn them to hell holding a grudge against them. He just did the right thing. You can do the right thing. Always do the right thing. That doesn't mean because you have to rebuke someone you don't love him. That means because you disagree with him and you know he's wrong, that doesn't mean you don't love him if you do it in the right spirit. But the way to know that we are loved, we follow the example of Jesus as well as the words of Jesus. And Jesus forgave. And Jesus not only forgave, he gave. Jesus was a giver. Jesus was a worshiper. He went to the synagogue every Sabbath day. You might say Jesus attended church. So his example. Not only that, you will find numerous times, numerous times, I can't tell you how many times, but I will tell you many more than a few. You'll find references in the, the four Gospels that say, and Jesus drew apart by himself alone to pray. He prayed when nobody else wanted to pray or was ready to pray. Jesus drew apart to pray. He often went into the mountainsides to pray through the night. So Jesus prayed. So I'm talking about what Jesus said and the example that Jesus set now. If we do the things that Jesus did, and we obey the things that Jesus said, that is an evidence that we love God. I'd like to say that to all of our children and grandchildren. Wouldn't you like to say that to yours? The evidence that they really love me is how they show it, not what they say. That's another subject, another time. Just forget that part. So we know that all things work together for it. Not, it's not a promise that all things work to good for everybody. The only promise that I know that's made for everybody without an exception is Jesus saves. 
the promise that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans chapter 10. I, I believe that for everybody. The other promises come with conditions. And this promise of all things working together for good comes with a condition. One of the conditions is that you be a person who loves God. And then, who are those who are called according to his purpose? If you read on down in this, in this very chapter, you read on down, you will find the Lord talking about those he chose. This is what I believe about predestination. I believe that in Jesus Christ, salvation offer to the world. Every person is saved by that offer. But you have to effect that promise. You have to put it into effect. You have to come to Jesus and say, I believe the, the message of Jesus, all that Jesus is. I believe all that he is. Virgin born, Savior. Vicarious death on the cross, substitutionary death on the cross. Risen and then believe that he rose from the dead. That brings you into the ones who are the chosen of God. The Bible says God is the Savior of all men, especially of them that believe. For a long time I had a difficult time with that passage, but it's really rather, rather simple. He died for everybody, and everybody is in the plan of salvation. Those who receive it, as with all the other things that God offers, those who receive it and accept it are saved individually and are chosen of God and are ready to meet Him. So who are those that all things work together for? All things work together for those who love God, and now we know who are those that love God. The ones who love God are the one who keeps the words of Jesus, they keep His commandments, follow, and, and his, 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 his commandment by example, following Jesus, living for Jesus, keeping His word. Those are the people who love God. And who are the ones who are called according to His purpose? The very same people. Just like saying, you're saved and sanctified. You're saved and ready for heaven. Those who are the chosen of God. So, friend, look at this. Look at this great. You're a child of God. You're following Jesus. You're a Christ follower. You're doing your best to live by what God's Word tells you to do and live how it tells you to live. And so, therefore, you know in your life that everything is going to work together for your good, for your benefit, according to the plan of God. You will look back on your life and say, some things I wanted, some things I asked God to do for me, some things I begged for, some things I pleaded for. I'm so glad God didn't do that. I've got a lot of amens on that. <laughs> you know how I know that's true? Because I've had that experience too. I know that. Some things I've asked God to do, it was a great thing for me. He didn't do it. Oh, I've got a great example here, perfect example. But I think I better not tell him. <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm trying to get over the temptation to tell him. Just give me a second here. <laughs> I'll just put it there's a, there's a country song. Forgive me for using a worldly example. There's a country song. It's not not ancient, but it's kind of old. And the, the, the singer is saying, I thank God.
for things he didn't do. And one of the that he wanted so bad and asked God to do, but I thank God for things I wanted that I asked for, but I thank God for things he didn't do, for things he did not do. Thank you for things he did, but I thank God for many things he did not do that I was asking him to do. And one of the examples was he tell, tells in the song about the woman he thought he wanted to marry, and he begged and pleaded for God to let him marry her. But then several years later when he saw her again, <laughs> he said, thank you, Lord God. That you didn't answer that prayer. That's enough of that. <laughs> but but now, but some things that you think are for your good, God has a plan, and in God's plan, what really is for your good, what is for your blessing, what is for your benefit, that God will do for you. And even if it's a struggle to receive it and accept it, when you do it, when you know it was God. You are so thankful that God didn't let you have it your way. He decided to do it His way because His way is always the best way. So God will do for you what you need done, and it will always be the right thing. It will always be the good thing. It will always be the perfect thing because God causes everything to work together for our good. In the great puzzle, He puts every piece right in place. Have you ever sat down in one of those great big puzzles? I, went, I found a little bit of current health over there. I don't know why they do that to torture those patients. But they had, they had, it was like a big table, and the puzzle was as big as the table. must have been a thousand pieces to it or more. I mean, seriously. And I sat down and looked at that thing one time, and I just sat down and looked. I didn't touch a single piece of it. I just looked at it and I said, I am not going to torment myself with this. I don't care what it looks like. I got up and walked away and went back to Carolyn's room, and I stayed away from that place from then on. If you sat down and tried to put together that puzzle, you'd never get it right. You'd get to the place you could get. I would get up with it. I, got, I would get to the place I'd get so frustrated. When I saw a piece that almost fit, I'd hammer it and try, try to make it fit. This goes here. I know it does. But you see, when you're living in the plan of God, you don't have to do that. God will put it all together for you. God will make it all work out. He'll put everything in perfect place and fit it together and put everything so the whole picture comes to pass. And when you see it, it's a beautiful picture that you never could have created yourself on your own. All things work together for good if you love God and you are called according to His purpose. There's an old, old poem. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He works patiently. I can't say the whole thing. But the story of the poem, because I haven't even read it in years, but the story of the poem is that we are a weaving of God's masterpiece. Have you ever taken a, a beautiful tapestry and looked at the, at the tapestry? You can, there's one hanging in our prayer room right in there. Beautiful banner. If you look at it from the front... It's just perfectly beautiful. If you turn it around, not so pretty after all. You can't figure out what it is all about until you see the real work. So the story of the weaver is we're looking at our lives from the underside. And all we see is the, is the opposite side. God's looking at our lives from the upper side. And he sees it coming together as it should be and as it's supposed to be. 
let's take it God's way because, because when we do, we know that all things work together for good if we love God. How do you get everything to work out in your life? Love God. Walk with God. Live for God. Serve Him. That's how you get things to work out perfectly in your life. And you say, I'm going through such a struggle, Pastor, I can't believe it. Turn the struggle over to God. Turn the battle over to Him. Give Him what you cannot deal with. Give Him what you cannot cope with. Turn it over to Him. That family matter that's so destructive and so toxic in your life, turn it over to Him. Let Him handle it. He didn't say you had to do it. Let Jesus take control. Let Jesus be in control. When you've got a matter that's looming before you, like a mountain that you can't go around and can't get over and certainly can't go through, just realize that Jesus is the mountain climber. That's why he was talking about when he said, you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. He said to this mountain, be removed, it will be taken away. Not the mountains that are out there literally on the mountain range, but the mountains that come up in our lives that obstruct us. Turn it over to God. He's the mountain claimer. He takes care of all of that. He's the problem solver. He's the answer giver. You trust God and believe Him, and all things work together for your good. Hallelujah. Because you are one who loves God and are going to hold on to Him. Amen. Amen. Everybody who believes that, stand with me right now. It's hard to believe, I know. But stand up in faith and say, yes, I know that it is true. Yes, I believe that it's true. Yes, I'm going to turn it over. I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to do everything God wants me to do. But when I've done that, I'm not going to grieve and suffer. I'm going to turn it over to Jesus and Lord, now it's in your hands. And now you take care of it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't you feel like saying praise God? Hallelujah. Think about your life is in the hands of God. We're all in God's hands. Said something one time a long time ago. Pastor Prince and I were talking about an issue with a family member of hers. It, was a, it looked like a terrible diagnosis. And she and I have, she's mentioned this to me in years, years ago. She mentioned me not long ago when I told her this. But I've said it so many times since then. I believe it was a word from God. I've used it again and again to bless people. When you're in a place that you don't know what to do, you got a bad diagnosis. You're in a terrible situation. You're in a dilemma you don't know how to solve. It's a problem, big, big, major, life-threatening problem. You don't know what to do with it. Just remember this. You are in God's hands. You're in God's hands. And when you're in God's hands, you're in a safe place. God will take care of it. God will take care of you. God will take care of every issue and every matter, every struggle, every problem, every battle. God will take care of it because God is going to take care of you. And you, you are in God's hands. Isn't that a great place to be? In God's hands. Wow. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to be right in God's hands, in God's coverage.